Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined, as always, by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can find us on Twitter, at ACSmith06, and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership, at The Only Colors. Today is Tuesday, December 28th, and John, it's that weird week. I know you're probably working very hard today, so thank you for carving out some time to to do this podcast. We really, the the audience really appreciates it. These days don't exist. They are just Christmas plus until New Year's Eve. I like December twenty sixth through December thirty first are are made up. In theory, they exist. You might be at work. And I'm sorry if you are, uh, but these days are just, I just feel like no one's really giving it their all here. Everyone's kind of like, you know what? I'm really going to, I'm really going to go all in Jan, Jan 3rd. But now I, we, we salute you if you're in your office and, and grinding. Yeah. If you've got a full plate right now from a work perspective, you have my utmost uh, respect and sympathy. And I hope that whatever you're working on ends up you know, coming through, you close the deal and you're able to just crush because I can tell you one thing, life's slow over on the, uh, the only podcast side. So with that, you know who life is not slow for Michigan state athletics, big week coming up. Uh, we've got a couple of basketball games. We've got, uh, a little, a little football game that you, you may have heard of, may have been looking forward to. Um, but as always, we'll start by looking back, um, the now number 10 ranked Michigan State Spartans last week knocked off, still un, unranked, uh, Oakland 90 to 78 in a game played at Little Caesars Arena in downtown Detroit. Um, John, I got to be honest, two things jump out of me right off the bat. First of all, final score does not tell the tale of how it felt when you were watching it. I mean, she felt a little bit more in control to me than 12 point win for the majority of this game. And was this one of the most balanced offensive performances you've seen from Michigan state? Cause I really in watching it was, was just enjoyed it a lot. Everything seemed to be moving well in, in, in harmony. Yeah. I mean, 28 assists, I mean, full stop, 28 assists, you know, and then, Everything that seemed we it's so funny to say that we were watching the game and we were like, hey, the the little half steps we were hoping to start to see maybe, you know, as the year progressed happened in this game where where Walker, you know, took a huge step forward. Um, and so did Christie. 
And that's what we were looking to see is those two, the backcourt take those little steps forward and they did it in one game. Again, it's against Oakland, but I'll tell you what, Oakland's going to win their league. And I'm, yeah. not, I'm not just saying that, you know, this is, this is a, um, it's a tough team and they're going to be a tough out because they got some guys. I think Campy even said it. That kid Kane is a pro. Like he, he can, he will, he'll get a cup of coffee in the NBA or beyond because he's just a bucket. Uh, He's going to do really well in, in conference this season. And this game and that Loyola game, Loyola is going to win their league. They're going to do a lot for this resume, I'm telling you. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. And to, to your point, Jamal Kane, um, the Marquette transfer, I knew I recognized him as soon as that game began. I'm like, I know this guy from somewhere and I know this name from somewhere. And yeah, lo and behold, it was from uh, Marquette where he played. It's not like yep. he didn't play when he was there. He He really got minutes. So um, you know, Marquette losing tons of transfers the last few years came the the latest one to make his new school, obviously very happy. So thought he played pretty well. Um, I thought the the reason why I thought I never was super concerned in this one was because this is one of Oakland is one of the worst shooting teams in America, like, yeah. like bottom 10 out of 320 something or whatever it is. And, uh, they came out and just shot the lights out in the first half. And yet I think it was a, it was a nine point game going, going into the half. And I was like, well, listen, they're not going to, even if they put up what probably was one of their better offensive halves of the season, again, shooting wise. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to keep up in this one, but you know, to, they didn't go away in the second half to their credit. I mean, it was a 46, 43 second half. Um, again, MSU always kind of felt in control here, but you know, again, credit, credit to, to Oakland for putting up a major, major fight uh, to, Go spin it back for the Michigan State side. I, I mean, your your point hit home. Uh, to see Tyson Walker and Max Christie come through and have nice games was huge. In a game where, you know, like you and I said, hey, if they can take these steps later on, we'll be in great shape. Well, they obviously listened to this podcast and were ready to to roll right away. They took that as a call to action. Max Christie comes out, goes four of six from three. His shot is so beautiful. Uh, played really good defense. I thought even even though those guards uh, ended up scoring pretty well, they were just making ISO shots, and there's nothing defensively you can really do about a lot of that. So I thought he did a really nice job. Uh, Tyson Walker only shot four of twelve from the field, but made two of his four three point attempts, which I think is really where he can. If I'm at Michigan State, needs something from him in terms of scoring. I think that's a big area where he can get chip in, providing another legit three point threat. Um, and then he had ten assists. And that's why I say I, this game just sort of always felt um, in control because whenever they needed a bucket, it was Walker either making a shot, making one of those threes, or uh, you know coming coming up with an assist and making a play. He also had three steals. A couple of them were really yeah. clean too, by the way. So he's living up to his defensive hype. Uh, offensively, really contributed again. And we got – I want to call out somebody that people probably might not be thinking of here because if you look up and down the box score – you know, Marcus Bingham Jr. had a pretty classic game. I think he, he made eight shots. I'm pretty sure most of them, if not all of them, were dunks. Gabe yeah. Brown kind of did his thing. Um, not a great shooting night from Gabe. Joey Hauser chipped in where he could. But great game from Malik Hall. Uh, mm -hmm. Only in, in limited minutes, went six of seven from the field. Uh, only got a couple rebounds, but scored 13 points. You need offense like that from one of him and Hauser. And I think you're just going to get it more – steadily from Malik Hall. 
Um, and tonight was a night like if he could just be right around this area, it's probably not going to average 13 points a game. But if he can be near that double digit with a few more rebounds, I think, you know, everybody could feel very happy about Malik Hall. So I thought he played a nice game as well. Yeah, I think you said it a couple of podcasts ago. It's like you only need one of Malik and Joey Hauser to show up. And yeah. it's okay that Malik is coming off the bench because actually he's starting to gain minutes per game. And he's also in at winning time, you know, with the starting right. lineup. So, and the reason that he needs to come off the bench, I think, is because you saw Marcus Bingham had four blocks. Joey Hauser needs that help. And if you put Hauser and Marble together, it's not going to go well, right? <laughs> Hall, Hall is at least um, a little bit a plus defender. And you can feel a bit better about him being paired with Marble on the second unit in their first few runs until, like we talked about, when it's winning time. Well, then it's Hall. Or it can be Hauser if he's having a nice game, right? So, um, you know, Hall is... <laughs> kind of like a sixth man that's that's earning starting minutes and it's just like we talked about it's all kind of starting to work and you know i think the sarah's mentioned on their podcast last week thanks again to them jumping in um, yes thank you that was awesome uh that that oakland was not a great shooting team they're right if if you they are hitting all of these shots which they did tough, difficult shots that MSU is still defending fairly well, and you're still losing by double digits and um, in, in a road game that was actually probably more 50-50, then you can start to feel pretty good about Michigan State's um, continued growth because, as we already mentioned, Oakland is probably going to win their league. And the other thing to remember, Oakland has this game circled every year. It is the one game that Greg Campy has never won. He wants this one more than anything. So MSU, you know, they got the target on their back for, for Oakland. And it's not, you know, probably uh, reciprocated. So, of course, they're going to give it. They're always going to, they're not going to, um, you know, bow out. They always give MSU a tough game. The, these kids want to beat Michigan State. Kane is from Pontiac. A lot of these kids are from Michigan, right? Like, so you're going to get Oakland's best game every year. And, and MSU handled their punch um, fairly comfortably, and, and that's kind of the takeaway for me this game. The, the other quick thing, Austin, only four Oakland players scored. I thought that was odd. Wow. Yeah, of, of 78 points. And four of them played all 40 minutes. All four of those players who only scored yep. played all 40 minutes. I thought that was... That's wild. I didn't realize that. I did realize that I thought it was Moore and Kane getting an inordinate amount of shots. That's not... Yeah, you know, for a for a Horizon League team, that's not like sure. crazy. You don't, you're not always, gonna, you're just not going to have typically the balance of for a good team like that. Depth is hard to find for any program, let alone a Horizon League program. So that's not shocking. But yeah, to only have four guys score is wow. I didn't even realize that. Another thing to call out: only ten turnovers in this game. Yeah, and there were long stretches yeah. where that didn't even they didn't even turn the ball over s- seemingly at all. And that is. The other thing we've talked about, and again, I think that speaks to um, the advancement of the two guys, because between Christie and Walker, one turnover, one singular turnover. Uh, that is, I, it's. I'm feeling. I'm starting to feel like a little worried about how 
well this team is playing strictly from like a masochistic point of view, like nothing aside from just like, I struggle with being like being comfortable with the Michigan state team doing things this well, this early in a season. Uh, but like they're yeah, just help. I'm, just, I'm the Kermit, the frog on the floor, uh, picture talking into the phone. Um, it's, I, I don't, I just don't know how else to describe it. Like it's, yeah, it's, so good. They just keep taking these little half steps in the right direction. Again, I know it's Oakland, but one turnover, well, like you keep seeing these types of things start to add up. And then, man, this is going to be a really difficult team. And I'm not saying they're going to win the whole thing. I've been crazy like that, but like they are going to be very difficult for teams to beat if they are playing. I think here's what it is. And I'm rambling now, but all good. Michigan State, this team can play an average game and beat or stay in just about every game. If they're playing their best, they're going to be very, very difficult for even the top two, three teams in the country to beat. I think that's what it is. Their floor, because of the style that they play, is really quite high. It's 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 fun to watch. And Let's go back to that turnover thing. The turnovers were a definite issue. They continued to be an issue. Um, but in the past four games, two of which were Big Ten games, shouldn't know, they are averaging um, 11.5 turnovers a game. That would be good for top 50 in the country, best. That's what a top 50 least, uh, a team that takes care of the ball in these past four games. Now, you can't get rid of what happened earlier in the year, but you like to see that type of improvement. And that's not just like we've, like we said with football, if the offense can just be average, right? Well, if the right. turnovers can just be average, like you can start to feel pretty good about the direction of the team, especially when Walker and Hogart are distributing the ball the way that, that they are. And, you know, we've talked about in years past, our, our, we have a magic number for assist to turnover ratio. And right now it's um, one point to one. 1.6 to 1 is is excellent. And we've only seen that out of MSU uh, teams a couple of times in since we've been doing this. And, you know, it's a long way to go. But I'll tell you, in conference games, it's 1.63 to 1. And I know there's only been two, but in but then you also look at just in, in um, away games, in neutral games, it's still above 1. So ways to go, but it's trending in the right direction. And the last thing I want to add about statistics, the other reason that the floor is so high is because they're, this is one of the best um, rim protecting teams mm-hmm. in the country. They're up to fifth best in the country in blocks per game. And that's elite. And yeah. while MSU has definitely had um, elite shot blockers before, Jaron Jackson comes to mind. It's not, I mean, Marcus Bingham is doing a ton of the work, but you also are getting contributions every game from other really high flyers. Gabe Brown is good yep. for winning. Akins is flying in out of, <laughs> soaring in out of nowhere. When Sissoko gets in, he protects the rim, even if he's not blocking shots. You know, like you have other contributors here that are, are changing and they're averaging, you know, six and a half blocks a game and, I don't know. It's just exciting. It's getting fun. Um, yeah. It's not just to, to your block shots point. It's you, you made the point that it's, it's multiple people, but it's, it's not like Bingham can do it as an individual, right? Like he's going to take care of either his man or somebody else that's coming right at him. 
the beauty of what MSU has in those big athletic wings, Gabe Brown specifically is the one I'm thinking of here, but like, these are weak side shot blockers that the guys don't see coming. Like half of those blocks that Brown gets are like, he's yeah. coming over at the last second and swatting something away. I mean, Jay Nakins is, is uh, chasing people down and blocking shots. So like it, they're coming from everywhere and that's for other teams. It's, you know, they're, they're putting all their energy into avoiding Marcus Bingham. And then you've got two or three other guys who can come over the top and make those plays. I mean, Again, that the thing, things like that are what makes this a really high floor team. And what a pleasant surprise. I don't think anybody I didn't see I don't know. I, I can be honest and say I didn't think I saw this level of team at this point in the season coming. So not bad. Not bad at all. Yeah, and the fun thing about college sports is that it's so fluid and things can go so well one day and the next day it looks like a completely different team you know and who's to say what happens moving forward you know on december uh 28th things are looking okay and the next game against high point um is probably the easiest game on the schedule period this is a great team austin but i will tell you that when this tips there will be two national champion coaches on the sidelines in this game, as High Point is coached by Tubby Smith. What a fun fact. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Tubby Smith, I think Tubby Smith might now be in like the the old head recognition bracket where like yeah. new, like if he's out recruiting, he's telling people that he won, what was it, the 1996 national championship with Kentucky. <laughs> That's before any of the kids he's recruiting now are born. Yeah, none of the kids on his team were alive for that. No. Yeah, that's that's the worst thing. The absolute <laughs> worst thing. Um, Tom Izzo too, though. I mean, that's <laughs> true. That's a really good point. That hurts my brain. Um, yeah. So, to, but Tubby Smith, was it? They ran him out of Minnesota for no good reason. I love that he's still coaching. Um, I also love that his nickname came from the fact that he loved being in the tub so much as a kid that they started calling him Tubby. Not because he was ever fat or anything like that. He just simply loved being in the bathtub. That is a true story as far as King. I know. So I love it. Yeah. Well, high points, let's see, looking at their schedule, they are currently six and six, but unfortunately for high points, uh, the high points of their season were wins <laughs> – against teams that are not D1. Mm. Uh, three three wins over teams that are not Division One. Mm. So three and six against Division One teams. Michigan State being far and away the most difficult team they would play. They did play Northwestern and lost by 35. If that that's probably the close that's probably the closest um, you know and level of play team they've they faced so far. Um, they do have a game against Kentucky right two days after Michigan State, which is just oh. seems unfair. Uh, <laughs> and Yikes. Yeah, yeah, it's not great for them. They they have a couple of guys, one guy specifically to watch out for, John Michael Wright. And when you have two first names, um, you got you got to average a double digits. He does uh, <laughs> twenty two points a game score, uh, so he will be putting the ball he'll be shooting quite a bit the only other kid i think is worth noting is zach austin six five oh. sophomore, is averaging yeah 
14 points a game. Big uh, two two first name guys on on this team. It was heavy with the Zach wow. the John Michael. Oh man. Poor guy. I'm going to get probably some screen caps sent my way of Zach Austin and his inevitably terrible graphics, but that's okay. Um, yeah, I think this one might end up being – if Izzo lets him play, uh, this could be a record breaker for Marcus Bingham. We could be talking uh, triple-double territory with blocks, rebounds, and points because High Point's roster, from what I can tell – has only two players over six five, and neither of them are uh, very good. So we might be looking at a big night, big day, a big afternoon, I guess, for uh, big afternoon. Marcus Bingham. Yeah, and we also could definitely be getting. Um, I would fully expect a, a lot of run for guys like, kind of like the the second unit here, the Jaden Akins, the AJ Hogards. Um, I think Hauser will probably get decent, some decent burns. Sissoko. So uh, it'll be fun to watch for depth purposes. I do think it's it's a bit of a shame that Malik Carr and uh, Keon Coleman are uh, in Atlanta for the Peach Bowl. It's where they should be because they have really, really great futures in football. But uh, they would get some tick in this game, I have a feeling, should uh, should they be on the roster. But, hey, that's for another week. Yeah, this is one, like you said, we're going to see the Pierre Brooks show. Um, ah yes. Anticipate Pierre Brooks. I love the kid because when he comes in, he, it's going the ball is going up, and I love that oh, yeah. about him. And he's he doesn't get yelled at because it goes in. This one might be one where he Pierre's feeling himself a little and pulls from the logo, and Tom needs to be mad at something type of thing. It's gonna be good. It, could this be our first? Could this be our first? Uh, Izzo yelling at. Pierre Brooks while he puts his arm around him moment. Ooh, I don't know if Pierre's there yet. You got to get yelled at a few times before you're allowed to. What was, remember when, was it Miles Bridges kept trying to put his arm around Tom in his freshman year and Tom kept backing away? It was like, no, no, you do not get to say calm down to me right now. You have not earned <laughs> calm down status, okay? <laughs> You have it's to, like, I know you can jump really high. You can jump yeah. over me, but you don't get to put that arm around me just yet. Yeah, that is – you're right. That is a moment. I've seen Tyson Walker do it. So, obviously, he's uh, he's cra- uh, cracked a certain threshold deservedly. But, yeah, maybe maybe I'm jumping the gun. I'm looking forward to that type of interaction. you got to find things that you like like to get excited about in a game like this. So, that's that's firmly on my bingo card. Well, you know what's wild, you know, is is we just kind of look around the world around us. We we had mentioned, gosh, a while ago, we looked at the schedule and we kind of kept saying, you know, like there's no reason MSU shouldn't run off a handful of these things until mid-January. And while that's happening, inevitably other teams are losing, right? Around mm-hmm. and all of a sudden MSU is probably, as you're listening to this, ranked ninth in the country. <laughs> they're number they're number ten as of well, today. And, they, they moved up. Well, and I think. Oh, did they did they they come out? Okay, so yep. if the 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 rankings came out, yeah, and um, probably a few more big games are happening this week. I know there are where there are top ten teams even squaring off. So it's just kind of seems to keep scooting up here. Uh, as they, it's like you don't want to make people aware of it. It's like just right. don't say anything. Like I I, I don't want to hear a pundit say anything about Michigan State. Just like. 
you, this is working for us. Don't just, just ignore us. We'll be here at the end of the year. And then you can all yeah. get excited and claim that you were on us all season. That's fine. We're okay with that. Exactly. It's just kind of quietly keep growing. You know, I guess there is one more game that happens before we talk to, to everyone again. It's um, at Northwestern um, in Evanston on Sunday. And this is one where the computers really like Northwestern. Now, um, you got to take a step back and, and, and say, okay, wh- why? Northwestern, eight and two on the year. Um, they have that win over High Point, as I mentioned. But um, as far as other big wins go, there's not a lot to look at. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they won at Maryland. Is They can feel good about that. They've lost uh, at home to Providence by five, which is not a bad loss. Um, and they lost at Wake in the ACC Big Ten Challenge by four, which, I, I, okay, I, I'm not quite sure why the computers love this team so much because while they are a fantastic defensive team um, and they do not turn the ball over at all, it, it's it's a bunch of nice players with with Pete Nance at 6'10 in the middle kind of leading the charge, Boo Booey, um, uh. who, who, hey, because I think we joked about this already, but like we were getting crushed by Boo Booey before anyone heard of Boo Booey. We were the hipster. Yeah. Of, of we made we made Boo Booey happen. Let's not look at this any other way. We made Boo Booey happen. But but the only other thing is, you know, they do have height. They have two six ten guys that play quite a bit, P. Nance and Ryan Young. So they're going to be able to hang with MSU um, in that department. As athletes go, I'm not 100% sure if they're going to be able to. Um, but they are pretty deep. Um, they, have, they have a 10-man rotation. And, and again, they, they're they're pretty – they're okay. Like, they're nice. They are better than everyone expected. Uh, top 50 team, to be sure. Um, but, but I think sometimes you have to kind of take into account that things that computers can't. Like, home games in Evanston are not home games – for like Wisconsin or Michigan state, like they're just not the same. And, and they defend the, they defend the bat really well, but you know, but they haven't played any good teams. I mean, that that is what the computers cannot account for is the fact that every team they've played is not good. I mean, they've played four high majors, right? Like think of it, think of it that way, power five opponents. And I'm, I'm for, for the intensive and purposes of basketball, I'm including Providence in that because, right. you know, they're, they're, they count. So Providence, Georgia, who sucks this year, by the way, terrible. at Wake, and then Maryland, who I think Maryland's a mid-table yep. Big Ten team. Um, and they're 2-2 two and two in those games. Right. None of those teams are ranked, nor probably will any of them be. Maybe Maryland could sneak in there a little bit. But, yeah. I don't know that like it's just to, at this point, their competition is is severely less than what Michigan State has played. And none of these teams come close to what MSU is going to bring to the table in terms of um, depth and quality and coaching and all of those things. Not to besmirch, you know, guys, Tom Green obviously has been a good coach for his career, uh, Ed Cooley, all those guys. But the fact of the matter is they – MSU is going to be a completely different breed from anything that they've played so far. And, and this is one of those where if you're Northwestern, this is kind of like the, the big test game, right? Like if you can hang, then it's like, Oh, okay. We can actually get excited about this team. Right. But you know, th- th- this is kind of like their big proving ground. So I think that actually means something like Chris Collins is a pretty, you know, good coach. He's going to have his guys ready to go. But um, you know, if, if you think MSU, you know, 
know, they've got a pretty good guy on their own sideline too. And Tom Izzo. So I, I think this is a team on paper that MSU should probably handle, but um, I would expect it to be a, you know, a, a pretty, pretty decent game. Yeah. You, you, uh, you nailed it with the, it's kind of like their measuring stick game and yeah. they're be ready for this one. You know, they're going to bring it all and they're going to kind of let the dust settle and see where they're at. Right. This is really exciting for me from a, from a watching standpoint, because Marcus Bingham's going to go toe to toe with Pete Nance. He's going to have someone who is as long um, as him. And then he also yep. had Ryan Young coming off the bench. who's really, really good backup big 10 us player and then Tyson Walker is going to have his hands full with Boo Booey so I, I you like to see your best players challenged and then this is the other one where the depth is going to have to prevail you know that's where Gabe Brown yep. sent double digit games it, you know is it Malik Hall or um, <clears throat> Joey Hauser's game and then you keep hoping that Max Christie kind of finds a groove here uh, along with their bench players that are going to see their spot minutes where they're going to have to prove that they can Burn minutes off of the starters or not. So, yeah, lot kind of a prove it game for both in different ways. Prove it game for individuals at Michigan State. A prove it game as a team for Northwestern. Yeah, I think you made a quick point. One quick thing, and then we'll take a commercial break about Max Christie. I hope to see him play, even if this game against High Point is kind of out of, you know, uh, it gets out of control quickly. I hope he plays a decent amount of minutes uh, mm-hmm. because, to your point having him being uh, on a roll, like if he can start to string a couple of games together, that's what's going to keep his confidence up. And that's what's going to get him going to that five-star level that we've seen him play to a couple of times, but not super consistently just yet. So I would hope that this week could be a week where he is able to string together two more good games. And all of a sudden you're, you're really looking at a, a, a confident, well, well-oiled uh machine so yeah um, yeah you don't want to put too much pressure on it but it is the homecoming game for him you know he's from chicago yeah true and have a lot of family and friends come into this game and uh, you know who's to say what happens in those ones but it seems like you there's not a lot of in-between ground for homecoming games for people you either ball out or you try too hard so we'll see yeah. <laughs> very true let's hope he does the the, the former instead of exactly. the latter all right all right So let's take a quick commercial break and we will be right back. All right. Three, two, one. Now we're back. John, it is officially, I mean, we're well into it at this point. Bowl SZN. Big 10 Mm. teams starting to get ready to go. Let's talk about it. I love it. Um, Yeah, I woke up this week and was like, oh yeah, MSU football has a game. And this is how I felt about when Michigan State, like the Champions Classic happened, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, yeah, basketball's back. Like, I kind of don't care, but, you know, I'll, I'll <laughs> kinda do like, I'll kind of get into it. And then by, you know, like the second media timeout, it's I will live and die by what happens in this game. <laughs> Same thing with football for bowl games for me where I'm like, oh, yeah, we're back. This is this will be fun. I don't really care. It's an exhibition. You know, the first drive and I am all in. I'm back. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, MSU versus Pitt, as you have undoubtedly heard, Kenneth Walker the third, um, not playing in this one. Um, Doak Walker winner, Maxwell Award winner, big hit to the offense. But Heisman finalist Kenny Pickett is also 
out quarterback per pit. So this preview's tough for us. Not going to lie. Yeah, it's I mean, the story of this game to this point is the pe- players who are not playing as opposed to the players that are. I mean, you know, uh, just to quickly address that, um, I have to say that if you're on either side of this, well, for, actually, let me take a half step back. I do not. I want to be very clear. And I know we've said this before. I think these guys are both making the right decision. Yes. To the, to be 100% upfront, like the, the I, if I was them, I would do the exact same thing. But for a running back like Kenneth Walker, you you only have so many, uh, you so much tread on the tires as a running back. Um, you protect yourself. Give those carries to a team that's going to pay you money to to, to <laughs> execute them. Um, and then if you're Kenny Pickett, I mean. Again, this is an exhibition. Your stock, his stock was soaring going into the end of the year. Why give, why make the last, uh, even though it's probably the best matchup you could have asked for, yeah. why make this, why potentially have a bad game and make the last piece of collegiate film you have uh, something that leaves a bad taste in another, t- in, in a, a scout's mouth? So uh, for both of them, what's that? Or it's injury. You know, like or, or an injury. Great point. Didn't even think about either of those players right. getting hurt. So, yeah, yeah, and especially a guy like Kenneth Walker. I mean, Walker was banged up really the second half of the season. So, um, you know, uh, I can't blame either of them for doing what they're doing. So that maybe takes the shine off of this game for some of the mass public. I think for Michigan State fans, I, don't, I mean, would we love to see Kenneth play? Sure. But honestly, it makes it, to me, even a little bit more exciting that uh, we get to see some other guys that are inevitably going to be, you know, playing and playing probably, you know, quite a bit next year, get the opportunity to, to tote the rock and guys like Eli Collins, Jordan Simmons, uh, maybe even some of these other true freshmen. So um, big deal. Now, other thing to say, if I'm Michigan state and I'm going without my running back, or if I'm Pitt and going without my quarterback, if I have to choose one of those two uh, camps to fall in, I'm taking the team without the running back, not to besmirch Kenneth Walker, all he did for the team, how incredible he was this season, but you can, you don't want to go into a game like this, that you're trying to win without your quarterback, especially if he's a Heisman finalist type of guy like Kenny Pickett. So I think MSU probably, uh, you know, the, the bigger beneficiary of the two between the, the, the two departures. I don't know if you would, would you agree or disagree? A thousand percent agree, if you can. A hundred percent, if if you if you don't believe me, it's it makes running back. We saw a generational talent at Michigan State. Do not get me wrong. <clears throat> this is also generational talent at Pitt at quarterback. Mm-hmm. So you know, quarterback. <clears throat> obviously, you kind of have to live and die by by them. And I think the other piece is Eli Collins and Jordan Simmons have game experience. Pitt's mm-hmm. back, backup has none. Nick Patty, a uh, redshirt junior, will likely be starting. He is 12 of 14 on the year, but one of two against Power 5 teams. Um, <laughs> like, honestly, this is the, if you're Nick Patty, you got to feel good about going against MSU passing. Yeah, yeah. Like, I get that. But also, <laughs> you got to feel like, if Nick Patty and I don't know, I, he might tear it up. Don't get me wrong. But you said something to me that made a ton of sense. If he was really elite 
and you could see Kenny Pickett was going to be kind of the guy that he's become the last two years, you would have transferred. If you were, yeah. If you were going to be able to play a power five starting quarterback football, yep. you probably would have transferred. Well, and he, it's interesting. You're, I'm just kind of looking at his, his box scores and everything. And, you know, he actually played a decent amount. He had 43 passing attempts in 2019. I think he started a couple of, couple of games then didn't play at all in 2020. Like you just said, barely played at all in 2021. You know, my, my point, I think they made it to you before we started recording. Like if this guy played a lot in 2019 and thought he was going to be the starter, he had two years where he could have gone and found somebody to, to take him and let him play. And the fact that, you know, Pickett almost left for the draft last year and then came, then decided to come back. And again, Nick Patty did <laughs> decided to not transfer. So, uh, again, to your point, MSU's past events has been bad enough that uh, it might not matter. You might go out and just absolutely tear it up, but um, you'd be you'd much rather play against him than Kenny Pickett. So for MSU's sake, uh, catching a pretty big break there. And I don't think you know you can't gl- gloss over, like you said, the experience that the two running backs who are probably going to get the most touches in this game have and i think this kind of speaks to like a longer term point about next year's michigan state team they've already gotten a i i think that msu is you're gonna miss uh don't get me wrong you're gonna miss kenneth walker i mean kenneth walker he's he was incredible one of the one of the best single seasons in michigan state history you'll miss him but the guys they have currently in the stable and that they're adding to it in jalen Berger, the transfer from wisconsin it's going to still be a really talented room. People forget that Eli Collins came up four yards short of a thousand yard season playing on a yeah. horrible Michigan state offense two seasons ago and was fully expected to be the guy in 2020 got COVID had a really hard time recovering. And then, Oh, Oh no. Uh, you, you got this guy who's should have been a Heisman finalist who comes in and ends up getting the starting job. You, it's not Eli Collins' fault that that, that took place. So um, I, what, I'm, what I'm saying is I think he is a, a really good player who is hopefully going to get the opportunity to show it in this game and probably show out and like kind of put his flag in the ground and say, listen, I want to be the guy next year. This is a huge, huge opportunity for him. Same for Jordan Simmons. Jordan Simmons was a leading rusher back in 2020. Again, not a, not a great offense by any stretch, but it, these guys have – uh, experience. And I got to think that they're coming into this game, you know, not only motivated because they want to win a big game, but like you're getting a chance to show out, which you didn't really get to do this year. And you both have an equal crack at being the starter next year. Uh, and you know, you've got burger coming in, would not be surprised if there's another new face in the running back room next year. Um, big, big opportunity for them. Yeah, absolutely. You got, you got guys now. Yeah. I think that, you know, you don't, they will maintain. I think the other piece of it is, you know, you, you just change your offensive philosophy a bit and you put the yep. ball on that who is more than capable, it appears, and 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 get the, get the ball to Jaden Reed and hopefully Jalen Naylor, who will be back, as Sarah noted on the last podcast, seen uh, without a club on his hand. You know, when you zoom in and the, <laughs> we got the Pruder film. Zabruder film situations on Twitter with him, which I love. Um, but I got some bad news, and then I got some decent news for, for okay. you know, Nick Patty, who would, couldn't really compete for the job because of 
some COVID stuff last year. Obviously, Kenny Pickett probably would have. Uh, but as we were talking about with, you know, Jordan Simmons and Eli Collins, it could have been one of those situations, right? Like a guy comes in and is just dominant. And that's just the way it is. And it doesn't mean you're bad. It's just the way it is. Now, here's the thing. He has a guy, the reason that Kenny Pickett has looked so good on top of being pretty awesome, but he's through to the Bolitnikoff Award winner, uh, wide receiver. And um, that is, if you're unfamiliar, the best wide receiver in the country in Jordan Addison. And Jordan Addison beat out uh, Jamison Williams at Alabama. You may have seen him uh, running past the camera's panning screen because it couldn't keep up in the Georgia game. And also David Bell, who you may remember from a game against yeah. the <laughs> That didn't go so well. So they got a guy. Um, who who is going to get his? He had almost 1,500 yards receiving and 17 wow. touchdowns. But here's the good news: uh, Mark Whipple, the offensive coordinator, he gone. He left for Nebraska in the middle of the night. And um, who's who knows if the offense picks up the slack if they they go without a beat. I don't know. But I, they got a guy, but I don't know who's coaching the guys. So that's where I'm. Yeah. At. Yeah, Pitt's in a lot of transition right now. Um, it's all of those things being said are why MSU should go out and probably be able to to hang and hopefully win this game. I mean, uh, I think we should we should talk about like what constitutes success coming out of this game because I do think it's it's worth remembering that this is an exhibition. Like these, you know what I mean? Like this isn't. They have a lot of transition going on on their end. Michigan State has, you know, lost a guy in in Kenneth Walker and all this stuff. Given everything that's going on with Pitt, I would be a little bit disappointed if Michigan State lost this game. Uh, now, if Kenny Pickett was the one at quarterback, I felt a lot differently. I was always kind of thinking like, oh, this is this is a dicey matchup. But now, again, the offensive coordinator's gone, quarterback's gone. Um, that's a lot to overcome as a as a team. Um, but things I would like to see from MSU is a day from the secondary that doesn't involve multiple massive busts. Uh, and just like shows that they can, they can improve when given time, you know, like we saw early in the year that this, the past defense was not nearly as leaky as it was towards the end. Um, when people maybe figured out what Michigan state was doing a little bit more. I would like to think that with a month to prepare, which is for all intents and purposes what they've had, that that can come back and normalize a little bit. Again, after a month against the backup quarterback, um, you'd like to think uh, that they've had time to scheme up something a little bit different. I mean, Mel even came, you know, Mel Tucker even came out and said, like, the passing defense needs to be better. So um, you'd like to see that. And then offensively, like you said, I mean, you want to see the team survive without without Kenneth Walker. I mean, a lot of guys have to take that personally. I already talked about the running backs, but you made a good point with Peyton Thorne. Like this is your chance to show that this is not just your team, but this is your program. I mean, he has a chance to be like, this is, I am the leader. I am the quarterback. I'm not playing off of my, you know, I don't need the Heisman final. You know, this, this should have been Heisman finalist to carry this offense. Cause I can do it. I can be that guy. So it's a big moment for, for a lot of guys that are playing in this one. So um, yeah, like I said, it's, it's, it's a lot of opportunity on the table. You know, what's interesting to me about this game <clears throat> and 
we can take big people. There's so much momentum that comes off of bowl games into the offseason into the next year. Fair or not, right? Usually not. People win a bowl game and then we kind of forget about what happened the whole year and we'll rank them too high. See Texas every year or or <laughs> rank them or, or not treat it fairly because it, it is an exhibition and, and get too down on teams that maybe laid an egg. But I will say that individually, there's a lot on the line that you can look mm -hmm. at. You mentioned Peyton Thorne. I think people forget he was a sophomore and he put yeah. together one of the best uh, quarterback seasons in Michigan State history. Not the best, not you know, not there, but as a sophomore, when you're even in, in shouting distance, there's a lot to be said about him, you know, saying, okay, uh, Jay Johnson, um, I'm ready to take another step. This can be my team now. Certainly mm -hmm. carry, when Kenneth Walker, a generational talent running back is doing what he does, it makes, it makes Peyton Thorne's life a lot easier. Do not get me wrong. Okay. But then you kind of have to look to Peyton Thorne's as we, in his upperclassman years, starting here with this game and say, okay, does it become his team? Is he ready for that? And then you also look at Jaden Reed. He's got mm -hmm. one aim to decide. Maybe he says he plays well enough here and he says, you know, maybe I want to go pro or not. He's, you know, he says, I, I have a lot more work to do. Um, you know, I know it's one game, but you really, and it's not a ton of sample size, but in college football, there there aren't many games. Like you have right. to make pretty difficult decisions based off of limited data. So, um, you know, Peyton, I think this is a big game for Peyton Thorne, a big game for Jaden Reed. And as you already mentioned with the running backs, you know, Eli Collins and Jordan Simmons, it's one game, but a game that you can kind of get a feel for next year. Be like, are you the guy? Who's the guy? Who, yeah. You know, is it Berger or, you know, whatever. You know, people have to make some statements in this game and show some people some things. And, you know, I know it's a, a positional coach, but as we talk about running backs, uh, Will Piegler, uh, the running backs coach, took a job in Florida. So MSU will be without uh, him. What happens in the running backs room? Who's going to what's Mel going to do in that situation? I don't know. Um, but but just like you said, so many moving parts uh, kind of makes the exhibition more fun, I think. Yeah, I mean, another name to throw in the mix is Harold Joyner, the Auburn transfer. No, no reason he can't get involved. I mean, he's he's going to have to replace. It was exactly he's going to have to replace Connor Hayward at the at a minimum. Um, he's got a chance to put his stake in the ground and and get some more carries. I mean, another just individual statistical record. Peyton Thorne is 114 yards away from a 3,000 yard season. Jaden Reed 54 yards away from a thousand yard receiving season. You know, so statistically a lot on the line for these guys as well. And I think when you talk about momentum, there's so much momentum positive for MSU. Uh, I, I Not necessarily on field, like we've seen a lot of success on field, which is amazing, but that is what leads to that success off the field, right? Like this is your chance to show guys that want to transfer in, hey, come play for us. We're a winning program. We just won 11 games. We just won a New Year's Six Bowl. I mean, this is, you're getting so, you could get so much marketing material out of this. If you, let's say they, you know, Jaden Reed does go, you can then look to the portal and say, hey, guess what? Best receiver in the portal. You're going to want to come play with Peyton Thorne because you've seen what he can do at quarterback. Hey, best running back in the portal. You see that you can come in here and compete with the best and maybe get some care. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of, yeah. of really positive momentum that they could garner uh going going into the the offseason and on the on the recruiting trail i mean it's no 
And make no mistake, great teams are built via stacking those good recruiting classes together. I think we saw a really good recruiting class this year. There's still some big names out there that Michigan State could sign. But you even heard Mel Tucker say it on signing day. We are hunting big fish uh, and big game in these future classes. We expect to have higher ratings. We expect to be in it with more of the big names. So, you know, all of those things, uh, you know, being being equal, this has a chance to build a lot of that momentum and, and create even more positive traction going into on the recruiting trail. And in Atlanta, we've talked and said that before, MSU creating that Georgia pipeline yeah. It's not a coincidence that they were so excited to be there. It's I'm sure there's going to be people, you know, students or excuse me, recruits on site. So big, big opportunity. Um, and yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to watch this team one more time, get to get to see these guys again, and then hopefully create some really positive momentum uh, going going into the offseason. But, John, there are a lot more games coming up, wait, not wait, just Michigan two, State. Go ahead. I know. That was a beautiful transition that I ruined. But I, <laughs> it's I, okay. I just just mark it on your scorecards at home. I wanted to get two things to watch on the board for this game because we don't know what's happening with the passing offense for Pitt and the running um, game for Michigan State is a bit in flux. But you can look at some big trends. Pittsburgh is one of the best at defending the run in the country. They give up 92 yards a game um, and, and rushing. So – I don't know if it's going to be fair for us to look at a, a, I don't want to call it a poor showing, but an underwhelming showing from the running backs, <clears throat> especially lose your running back coach. You know, uh, you're facing an elite running, rushing defense. Uh, it, just something to consider. Then on the flip side, they're one of the worst passing defenses in the country. Uh, so our, you know, the new strength with Kenneth Walker isn't there with Peyton Thorne and his wide receiving core. You got to feel pretty good about going up against the 106th um, passing defense in the country. You know, MSU's rushing defense is very good, 18th in the in the country, uh, giving up 117 yards a game. Um, Pitt, not great, only averaging uh, 153 yards a game on ru- with rushing. You'd think they'd probably put a more em- emphasis on that. I don't know. They might just ride the Nick Patty show for 45 attempts. That would be wild. Uh, I would be I, – I, maybe he has it in him. That would be pretty crazy to go from like 14 career throws to 50 attempts in a game, but that's what I do it for. That do it. are for. So, like we said, this was really hard for us to preview, but um, I don't know. And then the kicking thing: do we have a kicker? Like I don't know. Um, Who's to say? Is Coughlin hurt? Like I don't know. Uh, and maybe it's a true exhibition where we go for it on every fourth down. Uh, I don't know. I'm, a, I'm all for that. I like, I kind of think like all bowl games should have that as just a built-in rule. You can't, <laughs> you cannot, there are no field goals in bowl games, any of them. Every, from, from the Sarsaparilla Bowl down to the championship game, there are no field goals being kicked. That's pretty awesome. Okay. <laughs> I ruined, I ruined your transition. Let's just pretend. No, it's okay. Let's just say it was beautifully uh, tr- transitioned right to the big 10 bowl schedule. Yeah. Woo. Here we which are. Start, Big Ten which, Bowl. Let's do it. Which starts tonight. West, hey. Virgi- West Virginia versus Minnesota. What do you think? Man, just just what an eclectic group of people must be attending this bowl game. That's the first thing that jumps out at me. <laughs> We've got West Virginia is just a wonderfully weird individual like place. And then you've got Minnesota nice on top of it. I bet they're 
probably having the time of their lives if you went to to this game, the guaranteed rate bowl. Um, what is that? I, I have no idea. I don't either. It's guaranteed. I have no, I have to look it up while we're doing. I know that. what guaranteed rate is, but I don't know what I don't know where the bowl game is. Let's see. I'm guaranteed probably- rates the the mortgage company. They're they're going head. Oh man. I wonder if MSU, God forbid, they ever had another bad season. Imagine if they had to play in a separate mortgage lender bowl. Oh, it's a Phoenix, it's a Phoenix occasion. So West oh. oh man, traveling to Arizona. Oh, boy, they are going to be having a absolute blast in Arizona. They probably there's probably a lot of people from those two places that spend a good amount of time in Arizona as is. So, well, uh, I can see that being pretty awesome for them. And the, the games that like. Midnight. It actually starts at 9.15, but they are going to be rowdy for this bowl. Oh, yeah. A full day to drink. <laughs> There's going to be so many sunburns at this game. <laughs> Everyone will be oh, was geez. pale coming down and will be absolutely beat red in the stands. So much dehydration. They, oh, like, my God. They need to hand out waters at this event. <laughs> Please drink. Water. They need to hit just hoses. Just have a hose spraying on every section individually. I like I like Minnesota in a wash or in a walk in this one. I think they beat the hell out of West Virginia. Yeah, I'm in. I'm all in. I, I'm not. I've said this so many times. I'm not a conference pride guy when it comes to bowl games of when teams are actually like consequential. Like I'm not going to root for Ohio State. I'm not going to root for Michigan. Right. Like that type of stuff. I'll root for Minnesota. Why sure. Not? Yeah. Go Ghosts. Um, the next game, Maryland versus Virginia Tech, appropriately in, taking place in New York City. Like, why have those two northeastern New England programs travel anywhere? You're already there. Like, you don't both <laughs> you don't are both need to travel to Florida or something. Just get your six and six asses. Exactly. Take the train up to Virginia. You you pick up Hokies. You guys pick us up on the way, uh-huh. uh, and then we'll have a great time. Um, yeah, I don't really know what to expect from from this one because the, you never know what to expect from Maryland. Period. With a one point spread, uh, Virginia Tech fired their head coach, so this one could get. This one has like a lot of like it says very weird energy to me. Like it's just a very weird game. Well, Maryland's involved, so you know it's going to get weird. Exactly. I got to think, like, Virginia Tech at one point was knocking on the door of being a program, a serious program. Oh, yeah. Would you say? Serious program because they went went to a national championship game. The national championship game. When you do that, you know, you're on notice. Don't get me wrong. But not only that, there was consistency. Um. Nine out of ten years, they won double-digit games from mm-hmm. 2002 to 2012, 2011. That's pretty impressive. But then yeah, they just yeah. became the most mid-like Penn State program. They go seven and six, eight and five, seven six, seven six, ten and four, nine and four, six and seven, eight and five, five and six, six and six. Like I get why they fired Fuente, but yeah. now they're at the edge of irrelevancy. Like you, yeah. You know what I mean? You yeah, got- I mean they had they had the Michael Vick mm-hmm. cool factor forever. I mean that was your built-in thing. That's way gone. Um, which is a shame. 
uh, I think they are the other side of the, we held on to our legendary coach yeah. for as long as we could and then made a hire that didn't, which we thought was going to be awesome. but didn't end up working out They're They're kind of like the bizarro Michigan state in that, in that regard, except the Michigan yeah. state obviously never made a national championship, but you listen, they got rid of Frank Beamer, but Frank Beamer is immortal. He will forever live on in the zero zero hands in the air uh, meme. So that's fine. Yeah. Well, Maryland, they got it. It's past uh, September, so I expect nothing from them. Yeah. Nor should you. Right. This game. This game has like a like a super weird score written all over it. Like, not nah, like like. 19 to 15 or just something stupid. You know what I mean? 18 feels right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in. Oh man, that would be sweet. Speaking of weird energy, I know Midland Vatek feels weird energy, but Tennessee Purdue is in the, in the trans perfect music city bowl. So you're telling me, man, Tennessee is a three point favorite. Tennessee is a chaos program, but this Absolutely. was this was a chaos year for Tennessee. Seven and five, great offense. They feel good about their head coach, which is weird. First time in two decades. Purdue also chaosy, right? They you know mm-hmm. took down Mid Iowa and Michigan State in a game that was a bummer got smoked by Ohio State, who among us. And I don't know, this game just has a like shootout written all over it. Yeah, I mean, it, again, you said weird energy all around in this game. Um, Tennessee, another program that just failed to keep the momentum that they once had. One-time national champion, you know, I uh, what, Peyton Manning energy. I... I think this year should be viewed as an overwhelming success for Tennessee because they're in a bowl game and yep. no one was actively trying to get the AD fired so that they could take over their position in like the very game of Thrones, Machiavellian stab you in the back way, which is what happened with Philip Fulmer all of what, like one yeah. year ago, two years ago. Um, the name Greg Schiano never came up as a realistic option for their head coaching position. I mean, a lot of real positives for Tennessee this year. A little too quiet, if you ask me. From <laughs> <laughs> you know, they um, as I mentioned, they they score a ton of points. Um, they just aren't any good, and that's. But at least they're losing with Josh Heupel and feeling. Like, I don't know. They're never going to be happy in Tennessee. They might be the no. weirdest fan base in the country, I think. Is that fair? I feel like, you know, I said I'm not a conference pride guy. I feel like Tennessee's only thing is that they're, they are conference pride guys, that they're in the mm-hmm. NFL or the, the SEC is like their yeah. big claim to fame at this point. I also find like Josh Heupel turning this season into something after he said that he loved how much energy his players have going to meetings like that cast a very dire shadow on what, what I expected from this season. <laughs> so the fact that they turned this into a, uh, a music city bowl performance 
uh, oh. pretty good. Yeah, I, I got to think Tennessee's got a pretty big edge in this one. I mean, pretty like you know, I think David Bell's probably going to have a thousand yards receiving, but I, I got to think Tennessee's in pretty good shape here. I hope David Bell doesn't play. Like, and I mean that. Uh, I agree. <laughs> Not because I care who wins or loses, just like I don't know, man. I I don't know. Go pro. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, Wisconsin, Arizona State, and um, oh man, yeah. Similar. These are these are. How do I best put this? This is like a distant cousin that you meet at a family gathering, and you have a ton in common. You you don't you never met each other. You're from opposite ends of the country, but you get together and you're like beer, and they're like beer, and you're like beer. Let's just drink beer at this thing, and you just get crushed together. Yeah. Wisconsin, Arizona State, Las Vegas Bowl, 9.30 oh, at night. It's going to get bad. I'm officially then, worried for any fans, especially Arizona State fans, that are going to this game. Again, we're talking about sunburns. My God, the Wisconsin fans that are going to end up going to this game are going to look. Uh, you're going to be able to pick them out. Let's put it, let's put it that but way. Then, but then you know, it the, goes – <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> no, then it goes beer, beer, and they're drinking beer and we're having a great time. And then it's like 6.30 p.m. And Arizona State cousin is like, Molly? X- yeah. <laughs> and Wisconsin's like, whoa, what? I was going to literally make the same comparison I was going to say. And then the Arizona State fan's like, cocaine. And then my Wisconsin fan's like, mm, no, <laughs> more spotted cow. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's I think an extremely apt uh, family get together that that we would see. So we think Wisconsin in a route, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then let's see, let's let's finish out the the, the lesser bowls. Penn State, Arkansas. Awesome. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, it's awesome because Arkansas, one of the better years that they've had in recent memory. Penn State. They'd like to say not a great year in recent memory, but this is kind of becoming par for the course for the Nittany Lions, it feels like. Um, I don't know how it – I know it's so, like, cliche to say, like, how excited one team is to be there versus the other, but I yeah. kind of feeling that Arkansas might be a little more interested in participating in the Outback Bowl. Oh, for 100%. And I think that, like, super plays into games like this that are not super high-profile um, bowl games. Although it is a New Year's Day game, I mean, to their credit. But, yeah, I mean, this is I, – I, I think um, the advantage Penn State has is – and we're actually talking sort of football here now um, – <laughs> is that the Arkansas offense is very run-heavy. And it's like Justin – was it, uh, it Justin – I don't think it's Justin Jefferson. K.J. Jefferson, KJ. the quarterback, is like much – is a really powerful downhill runner. But um, Penn State's got – plenty of talent on the defensive side. So they, they should be able to, to hang. Uh, it's just a matter of whether they can score. I know Arkansas's defense isn't, you know, lighting the world on fire or anything, but um, yeah, this is actually a game probably of all of these, either the, you know, taking Michigan state out of it, probably the one aside from the Pete, the, the orange bowl that I'm most excited to watch. Cause these teams like Penn state is, is in this, kind of interesting spot where, like you said, they want to be something, but they aren't quite something. Arkansas wants to be something. And they're like, they're kind of like Penn State feels stalled out, but Arkansas is clearly on like this upward trajectory for the short term, at least. Yeah. Um, 
And so I don't know. It'd be, I mean, I think both of these teams, like, let's put it this way. If uh, James Franklin loses this game, even though they just gave him a huge extension, the fan base is going to hate him the entire offseason. Um, yeah. And so there's motivation there. Sam Pittman, I think, on the other hand, is like, I think they absolutely love him in Arkansas and they probably want to keep that momentum going. Cause again, you have to recruit to win in the SEC. So, and in order to recruit, you know, you gotta, you gotta win games like this. Otherwise people see you for what you are. So should be actually a pretty fun game. No, I agree. Penn state's roster is probably more talented than Arkansas. I just don't know how motivated they are. So um, <clears throat> in the next game, the outback or the, uh, the citrus bowl, uh, Iowa, and I think we found the the SEC version of Iowa is Kentucky. There, I think is Frisky Kentucky a thing? Oh sure, yeah, upset yeah. Kentucky. Oh yeah, I feel like nine and three Kentucky qualifies as Frisky Kentucky. Iowa, they're so bad, dude. Like I, <laughs> they just stink. This is the worst ten and three team. Ever. <laughs> Un- unquest- unquestionably the worst 10-3 team of all time. I mean, if you remember the Bama team that MSU played in the Outback Bowl when Andrew Maxwell's career was was ruined in one hit one. Uh, by Marcel Darius, um, where I thought he might not ever get up. Uh, that was the best 10-3 team of all time where, like, yeah. I'm confident any player that started on that Bama team would start on this Iowa team I'll at any, at any, at any position. Reverse it. I would, I don't think any Iowa player would start on that Alabama team and they're both 10 and three. No, absolutely not. Yeah. So that's not to say we think Kentucky's any good, <laughs> but, no. but because, nine wins from an SEC team is not something to be taken lightly. I just, I think that it must being a Kentucky football fan must feel it must be so exhausting because like you are competing for third place every yeah. single year and there's nothing you will ever be able to do about it. There's nothing you'll ever be able to do about it. Like you'll enjoy playing and probably beating Florida a decent amount of the time. You, they beat LSU from time to time, but at the end of the day, and then that's like a massive win. It's not to take anything away from that, but then <laughs> you still have Bama, you still have Georgia and, yeah. you know, if a lot of years, LSU is incredible. Florida is obviously a, a blue blood type of program. Like, you just can only do so much. It's like a very thanos feeling where you're like, yeah. I am, they are, the rest of the SEC is just inevitable. Well, and back to Arkansas, they get to pretend that they, like, the best part is when you don't know the ending. You've yes. pretty good, you have a pretty good idea it's not going to work, but at least there's like the mystique of what it could be. <laughs> Kentucky has reached their ceiling. Like Stoops, this is it. Yeah. And Kentucky's, yep. and you could be fine with that. And that's okay because it's way better than it used to be, right? Oh, but yeah. you kind of know what it is. Arkansas is kind of like lying to themselves that it could be better than this. Yep. And that's fine. I would do that too. Kentucky's four of their nine wins are against Chattanooga by five, uh, <laughs> uh, Vanderbilt, New Mexico. Hmm state and louisiana monroe so i just want to be really careful about that nine wins it's really that you know i don't know what their best win is at south carolina like 
Yeah, so let's just be <laughs> There's a lot of fool's gold in Kentucky, just like Iowa. Yeah, but you can at least enjoy, like, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think it's, to your point about uh, Arkansas, it's the journey to the ceiling that's the fun part. Like, I completely yes. agree with you there. But once you hit that ceiling and you just keep hitting your head on it, it's it's tough, man. And it's not like – because Kentucky recruits too. Like, they get yep. good kids. And it's – like, Keontae Goodwin. I mean, they just pulled a, a surefire five-star yep. left tackle. And it just it probably isn't going to matter. So, uh, yeah. And, again, you wonder how long – maybe Mark Stoops is just like – he. I guess he really is – only like maybe with a lot, some more winning involved. He's the parallel to uh, Kurt Ferentz is kind of there too. Are you ready for this take? Mark Stoops, Mark Stoops is going to take the Iowa job when Kurt's oh. done. I'm not yeah. kidding. He, he went, Mark Stoops went to Iowa. He okay. played, he oh, played football that. at Iowa. And I'm oh, telling man. you right now <clears throat> that Iowa would be thrilled with the track record that Mark Stoops put together. And they can lie to themselves that it's actually going to be easier for Stoops because he'll be in the Big Ten West. And they can lie to yeah. themselves. Their ceiling can can grow. And they'll justify it however they need to, which is fine. Stoops will be thrilled to get the hell out of the SEC. Oh, yeah. And he, can, and he gets the out of saying, well, I always wanted to coach my alma mater, you know, and I think I can recruit at the same level and blah, 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 blah. And... Everyone will be happy with more frisky Iowa for the next decade of Mark Stoops led frisky Iowa. Yeah, I would. Uh, it's going to be like that might be it for me if I'm a Kentucky fan. Like yeah. when my coach leaves for the Iowa job like that. Yeah, that might that might do it for me. I might hang up the cleats. Well, you just get really back into basketball again. Like you stop lying to yourself that you <laughs> yeah. cared about football at all. And you just go enjoy Calipari. Yeah, you go full full denial mode. Yeah, you just don't even watch on Sundays. That's a good point. That's probably what I would do. So, yeah, I do think Kentucky's going to win this game, though. Probably. Uh, Ohio State versus Utah, another game where we don't know how motivated people are to be there. Probably both of these teams. I'm not sure how motivated they are to be there. I mean, yeah. Utah, That maybe I'm wrong. Utah beat the hell out of Oregon two times in a row. They might be feeling themselves a little bit. You know, they're on a uh, six-game winning streak. Um, they can feel good maybe about where they're headed. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ohio State, though, obviously we saw what happened their last game, and it's been a long time to have that bad taste in their mouth. Yeah. How, how much do they – It's it's kind of beautiful for me to watch them be miserable going to the Rose Bowl. Or, or, or oh yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I obviously am jealous of it. I I love would love for Michigan State to go to a Rose Bowl, but there's some a silver lining of beautiful, like, I don't know, symphony for me that they are crying over going to the Rose Bowl and won't go. Yeah, love that because when this passes and it will, because everything is cyclical, they will look back and be like, I can't believe we weren't excited to go to the Rose Bowl. We took a Rose Bowl appearance for granted. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad they're going to have that pain later in life. Yeah, I agree. So if if we're looking at a motivational edge, I think Utah's probably got it because 
I don't know how many times Utah's gone to the Rose Bowl. It can't be many. Have they ever even gone before? I don't know, but I can tell you from a personnel standpoint, oh, man, this is not fair. Oh. No. Oh, my God, no. No, if we're talking strict talent to talent, it's a joke. It is a, it is going to be that six-and-a-half line is looking tasty for Ohio State betters. Exactly. But, but your point about motivation, that's what benefits – Utah. I think they're going to come in and try to make this an ugly game and try to, you know, do to Utah, or do to Ohio State what Michigan was able to do, and that's just grind it down and, and make the game shorter. Uh, bad news for Utah. Typically, doesn't snow in Southern California, so uh, you're not going to get that element on your side, which is not ideal. Uh, and also, I think to your point, so I'm kind of going against what I just said here. The motivation and the fact that Ohio State has had to sit with that shitty taste in their mouth for how many weeks has got to be like, we'll find out a lot about CJ Stroud, I think, because uh-huh. if he comes out and crushes in this game, then you know, like, okay, this guy has, is going to be mad going into next year and he's going to come out and he's going to win the Heisman. Yeah. Uh, but if he kind of like me, laissez faire approach, I think you have fair, uh, fair criticisms that are that are coming up so i don't know i mean on paper this should be a blowout though yeah i agree and like you said i think ohio state has a lot to prove and i think they're going to beat the hell out of utah because you know as we said roster to roster it's not really close this is utah's first rose bowl they have as many rose bowl as pineapple bowl appearances (laughs) which is a game they played in in 1947 that did not count um, by the NCAA. So think about this. The Pineapple Bowl existed. The NCAA didn't recognize it. Utah was like, you guys want to go to Hawaii anyway? And everyone was like, <laughs> yeah, let's go to Hawaii. This was also mid-war, I think. Or no, this is right after This is right after World War II ended. So I don't know. I'm not going to wade into those waters. But uh, <laughs> lot going on with that statistic um all right and then final game uh in in miami the orange bowl uh michigan versus georgia georgia seven and a half point favorite um we i I just want to throw this out there and i think it's becoming realer and realer as the week goes on um i think we saw miami we've seen some some uh bowl games happen already uh, MSU uh, had played Western Kentucky this year. Western Kentucky won their bowl game. Um, our boy Bailey Zapp had like yeah a day 61 touchdown passes on the year, which is hilarious. Um, Miami was in a, the Sun Bowl, which they canceled uh, because of COVID problems. This game is in Miami. You'd think that Michigan and Georgia are not leaving their hotels at this point. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's. I would hope that we don't have a COVID reason to not play the playoff games, but the fact that they even come out with it and bowl games are being canceled just kind of puts Mm -hmm. everything on watch. So uh, this game, if all things stay the same, Georgia, as I mentioned, a seven and a half point favorite. Um, I don't know. It's weird because Georgia obviously lost the SEC championship game. It's also really weird to me that they could go into a college football playoff game and have questions about who their quarterback is like think think about that alabama has you yeah. everything about yourself when you play alabama 
they put you in a pretzel, man. They they make you think things. Your self confidence goes to zero after playing. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh man, do we have a quarterback? It's like, guys, you're you're you went twelve and one. You're fine. Like you need to calm down. Uh, Stetson Bennett is not the reason you will win or lose the national championship. And but Georgia's in a pretzel right now because of that. Michigan, all the momentum in the world, if momentum exists, feeling good about their win over Iowa. Um, I, I think this is going to be a really good game. I'll let you get in here. I think there's one thing to consider. Georgia does to teams what Michigan does to teams, but they mm-hmm. do it, but they do it way better. They are they have more they have better talent doing the boa constructor. So yep. two bullet constructors, I find that game to be fascinating. Yeah, I mean, this is a tough game for both teams. Um, you know, I think your point about um, the fact that they're very similar is a, is a very good one. And the fact that Georgia's questioning their quarterback, I think, speaks to the level of talent that they have on this team. Like, the fact that you are you went undefeated through the SEC regular season and then lost to Bama all while maybe not having the perfect answer at quarterback. It tells you how ridiculous the level of talent is around him on offense and how absurd that defense is that they can win those games. Um, Michigan on the, uh, but, and then to take that even a step further, yes, they should be worried about it, but at the same point in time, no matter who they choose, that player is as good or better than Cade McNamara. <laughs> like, I don't think that there is a player that they can choose that is going to make it so that they don't have the better or at least the even quarterback in this game. Quarterbacks are not going to be what wins this game, right. in my opinion. It's yeah. who can assert their will and their dominance on the other team. I mean, and, and it's, it's who, can, who can score. That's what it boils down to. Georgia's defense has been, until that Bama game, historically dominant. I'm almost ready to – personally, I would throw that Alabama result out the window. Like, that you gave Nick Saban uh, – he knew that game was coming. Um, you saw that he had probably actually let his team get a little bit ahead of themselves because they almost lost to Auburn the week before. Um, and Georgia, it's it's like a mental thing. It's a Darth Vader deal uh, where you, you, go to, you go to battle them and you just, it's all a mind game. Um, and so I, I, I think that Georgia's kind of, like we said, with Ohio state has been sitting on that bad taste in their mouth and they want that rematch and they are, they are going to come into this game angry and giving Kirby smart a month to prepare for what is not a complicated offense from Michigan is asking for trouble. If you're U of M, um, that defense, yes, they, okay, they struggled against Alabama. Alabama, again, I, I think if you did the Alabama versus Michigan comparison, who's starting where, Hassan Haskins might get some carries. After that, tell me where they have a better player. I, 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 don't, I couldn't find it. Um, so I think Georgia is, is talent-wise uh, a better team. Not that Michigan's not talented. Michigan clearly is a good team, but – I'm just not sure how Michigan scores in this game. And I think Georgia's going to be able to do – they have a little bit more dynamic offense. Uh, their tight end – uh, oh, my God, Brock Bowers is 
a really, really big mismatch weapon. I expect him to have a decent game. They've got big wide receivers, honestly, probably as good or better wide receivers than Michigan's going to have played uh, this season. Um, and they're playing in a dome. They're not playing in the snow. So I think that helped. And I, I hate being that guy, but I think that helped Michigan slow down an Ohio State offense that's super explosive. So um, those things, to me, all point towards towards Georgia. I will say, though, I, I didn't expect Michigan to be able to, to take it to Ohio State's defense the way that they did. So credit to them. I've been surprised before. I could be surprised again. But I think Georgia, talent for talent, is significantly more talented on defense than Ohio state and yep. Michigan. I, I'm just not sure how they score. I think this could be a low, this could be like a 21, 14 game. Like I wouldn't be surprised if Georgia can't score a lot because Michigan's defense is good. I mean, Ojabo and Hutchinson are really, really good. I think the difference is that Georgia's had a month to prepare for them. Those are edge rushers. They're going to try to run the ball up the middle which is what they do. And then they're going to try to get it to that tight end and put those pass rushers in, in coverage situations um, and see what happens. So I think Georgia wins this game. I think it's probably not going to be enjoyable for Michigan State fans to watch. I don't expect it to be a blowout because Michigan just doesn't play that style of ball um, against them anyways. So, uh, well, yeah, Georgia. it's, it's going to be a close one. And, yeah, well, right, to your point, New mm-hmm. Georgia. This is like you see – you've seen enough Michigan games. You know how it works. They're in control. I'm not saying that'll happen this game. I'm saying in their games against lesser opponents, they're in control, but it's not out of reach. And and mm-hmm. then, you know, they turn a corner. And sometimes you'll see they won by 20 or three, four possessions at the end, right? Yeah. I think you're going to see that end of the third quarter. It's going to be a one-possession ballgame. And, yeah. and then, you know, does Georgia squeeze, you know, and does that change everything? <clears throat> Georgia's offense, third best in the country. Like, the defense yeah. gets all of the shine as they should because it's one of the greatest units we've seen in a while. <laughs> when in, <clears throat> like we said, you play Alabama, it can turn you into questioning everything about yourself. <laughs> there is a drop in talent going from playing Alabama to Michigan, and it's not a knock on Michigan. It's just Alabama has had four straight top three classes. You know, yeah. so you know you mentioned you know Michigan stars are going to have to shine brighter than they've ever shined in this game because the role players on both teams, there's a talent gap. So you really need Aiden Hutchinson to show up and, and in Ojibwe and, and Dax Hill, like they're going to have to be doing a lot then, then and make some miraculous stuff happen. And, um, but yeah, it'll be probably close going to the end of the game. And I hate to say it, but we might be looking at an SEC rematch championship game. I, I can live with that if it means not having to watch Michigan in a national championship sure. game, okay. which would not be good. I can live with that. Here's what I'll Fair. say. The, the, what would scare me, I think your point about the stars needing to shine is extremely valid. Because for every Dax Hill, for every Aiden Hutchinson, Georgia's got those dudes. Like maybe it's not that guy. Maybe it's not a top two pick like Hutchinson's shaping up to be. But what they got Jordan Davis. They have N'Kobe Dean. Like these are superstar players that they've got uh, on that defense. They've got edge rushers that are going to be first round picks. So yeah, Aiden Hutchinson might end up being the first one drafted of all these players, but guess who the next like nine are going to be aside from maybe Ojabo. They're all going to be Georgia players on that defensive side. So like Jordan Davis, I know Michigan's line is good. It's a good offensive line. 
they have not seen a creature, a human, if he is human, like Jordan Davis, <laughs> like ever. Like there's never, there, there are no guys like that. Ohio State doesn't have him. Michigan State doesn't have him. Nobody's got him. Georgia does. And behind them, again, you have Nicobe Dean, who's the best uh, linebacker in the country. They've got great guys in the secondary. I mean, this is, like you said, the same way Georgia's or the Bama's built these recruiting classes on top of each other. Georgia's been doing the same thing on both sides of the ball. So there is, there is to your point, uh, that kind of when you get past that upper crust of the roster, there's a talent gap. And again, Hassan Haskins, like, I don't think Hassan Haskins can carry them to win this game. Honestly, if they're going to win this game, it's going to be by getting the ball to the outside because they can't just run up the gut because Jordan Davis takes up three guys in the middle of the line. They're not going to be able to do that. So if they, they're going to have to, they're going to have to play a game that they don't play so far. Whereas Georgia, I think, can very much stay the course and kind of do what they've done, and they should be in pretty, pretty decent shape. So it's going to be a good game, though. I've, I've, I've come to terms with the fact that it will be a good game. Well, here's my last consideration the there are teams elite teams that over the years have been labeled as chokers we've seen clemsoning we've seen georgia in um am i missing any you know a, a team that you know once they get on the big stage those are the choke. two main culprits the most recent ones michigan hasn't been able to get on the big stage to be michiganing They've they failed on the little stage for decade and a half. They didn't even get to the big boy stage. Okay, they're here now. Are they? Is it is it this team different than all the others? And because they don't understand how big the moment is in a good way, they they can rise above past Michiganing, or mm-hmm. or is Georgia due for another choke? I feel like they already had theirs, right? And they're looking for mm-hmm. another, and then. Their Georgia ing will happen if they lose to Alabama again, right? Yeah, right. That's what they're looking at. So I just question Michigan, are they ready for the big boy table? I feel like sometimes programs need to get to this place a couple times before they're ready to turn the corner. Um, just because the, the as we saw, as Washington saw, as Oklahoma continues to see, once you get to this table, the talent gap is so big. Yeah. Ohio State fails at this table. Like it's it's just a different table, and I'm curious how people they handle that adversity when we saw Michigan collapse under adversity against Michigan State, a much yeah. more talented team. So I don't know, lot lot to see. Yeah, there you're going to be seeing the uh, whole different, just a whole different roster when you, when you go play Georgia, even over Ohio State, even over Michigan State, even even over Penn State. Really good, really talented teams. You got nothing on Georgia. Not to say Michigan can't win, but there's a reason why this is a seven and a half point spread and it hasn't moved. So Well, they're both in a similar spot. And, and I know I said I'd be done, but they're both a similar spot. You stack enough good classes together and have decent to good coaching. Both of them have that. Good things will eventually happen. You've gotten bad breaks, unlucky bounces, things went wrong, you ran into a monster. Those are statements are both true for both of these programs. It's happened. But eventually, if you stack enough classes and you and you have an identity and you have decent coaching, you're going to get here. Well, they both did it. Now, who has had the better stacked classes? Who has the better coaching? Who Who is going to get the better bounces? 
it's looking one way over the other, but that's why we play the games. Absolutely. Well, John, have we reached the end? It's time. It's time for us to sign off. (laughs) I think so. (laughs) All right. Um, Well, guys, enjoy the Peach Bowl. Uh, enjoy the two Michigan State basketball games. Um, enjoy, yeah, just just in, just just uh, bathe in the last game of what was a very, no matter the outcome, a very very fun and rewarding football season. And uh, let's all learn the Georgia cheers so that we can scream them at our TVs later on. Uh, <laughs> all right, guys, thanks as always for sticking with us. For John, this has been Austin. We'll talk to you later. See you.